0: we're starting a new series focusing on the life and the faith of the old testament patriarch joseph and uh i don't know about you i I just when i read about joseph and just study his life it is truly an incredible life what an encouraging uh, testimony he gives us of enduring faith and really just possessing integrity especially at a young age and and you know even when god fulfills his plans through joseph he is relatively a very young man and God elevates him to a place of power and, and just prestige. And it's just an amazing story how God takes him from, from slavery, from the prison to the palace. So it's an incredible story. And again, a testimony to us how we should endure trials with faith and integrity. And God had a plan for the life of, life of Joseph. And like Joseph, God has a plan for each and every one of us. And before we were ever thought of in the hearts and the minds of our parents, Uh, God had a plan for our lives and we look at psalms 139 16 i'm going to read from two different versions this is from the new king james first says your eyes saw my substance being yet of form and in your book they were all written the day's fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them but i just really love how it's translated in the new living translation it says you saw me before i was born Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So last year, I think of that verse, and I think of last year at this time, the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. And while we're grateful for that decision, each state now has the right to determine for itself how they're going to handle the abortion issue. And since the Supreme Court made their decision Uh, And in June of last year, 13 states have decided, you know what, we're just going to completely uh, ban abortions. And so 13 states have chosen to go that route. And since the Supreme Court decision, there have still have been 500,000 babies that have been aborted since. And when I think of it in these terms, that's 500,000 of God's plans and purposes that will never be lived out by those individuals. Think about it that way. See, when you were born, it wasn't that you were born and God found something for you to do. No, God had something for you to do and you were born to fulfill it. It's a completely different message. It's not like, well, your parents had you and God's like, well, what do I do with them now? No, you were born with a plan in mind. You were born to fulfill that plan. I believe that with my heart. Every one of us here were born to fulfill God's plans and his purpose for our lives. And mankind, were unique. We're unique amongst all God's creation because we're created in his image and likeness. But beyond that, we really have something very unique. And then God gives us this this opportunity to accept or reject his will. We can choose for ourselves if we're going to follow God's plan or we're going to reject God's plan. Now, we should all believe in the sovereignty of God. And that's that's a, a word that is getting a lot of hype today in today's Christian world, and it should, because God is sovereign. He is an almighty God. He has a plan and a purpose, and it will be fulfilled. However, God's given us a free will. And so there's a balance between the two. God has a plan and a purpose for us to fulfill, but we have to discern that plan and choose that plan and walk in that plan. God's plans and purposes will always be fulfilled, however... We can reject God's plan, and this is what he does. Then I'll find someone else to fulfill it. So God is sovereign. God's plan will be fulfilled, but he gives us a free will. So it's up to us to choose, to discern, and then commit ourselves to fulfilling God's plan for our lives. Now, wouldn't it be a terrible tragedy for us to enter into eternity, find ourselves into heaven, only to find that you know what, you made it, your faith was in Jesus, that's great, but you never did anything to fulfill your purpose. I think that'd be a great tragedy to know that you could have touched so many lives or did so much more for God, something that, that was uh, divine for you to do, God's divine purpose, and you kind of operated outside of that purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are, are his workmanship, God are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Look at this. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not that we will walk in them, but that we should walk in them. So it's our choice. God has a divine plan. We must discern it and commit ourselves to fulfill it. Only in Christ can we discover God's plan for our lives, and only with the help of the Holy Spirit can we fulfill that purpose. Let's assume everyone hearing my voice right now is born again. And so from that position, you can discern God's plan for your life, and you can fulfill his purposes. Now, if you discern God's plan for your life and, it's, and his purpose, and you fulfill that um, faithfully, so you, I know what God's called me to do, and you are doing it faithfully, that doesn't exempt you from trials, that doesn't exempt you from experiencing difficulty. Jesus himself said this in John sixteen thirty three in the world... You will have tribulation. Not you might or you may, but you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Some people will do this. They'll confuse trials and difficulty as a way of God's indicating his disapproval. So in other words, I'm going through life, life is going well, and I hit a rough patch, things are not doing so well, and I must have done something wrong. Uh, I must be disobeying God. Because if I was obeying God, then this wouldn't be happening in my life. Uh, That is true and not true. So it can be true. You know, we can reap what we sow. If we make bad decisions, we're going to reap uh, reap the benefits of those, those bad decisions, which none of us like. But at the same time, bad things happen to good people. We go through trials, we go through difficulty, and that is no indication of God's approval or disapproval. Again, you gotta know God's heart, God's plan for your life. For example, again, life throws you a curveball, and you say, well, that curveball is just God's way of saying you're not going down the right path. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. It says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 6, Perhaps I will stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and only make a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Now look at this. Because a great door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. Now, Paul says a great door of opportunity had opened for him to go to Ephesus and to preach the gospel. However, God does not remove the opposition that awaits him there in Ephesus. And if you want to know more about that story, you can just flip over to Acts chapter 19 and you can read about Paul's encounter in Ephesus. What happens is this. Paul goes to Ephesus, he's greeted, he's warmly welcomed, he's preaching, things are going well, there are miracles taking place, and all of a sudden, a riot breaks out. And he's got to get out of town before they kill him. Now, what a great opportunity. See, that's the way we feel. Well, this is what I get for serving God. Well, first of all, Paul knew there was going to be opposition. He was ready for it. But secondly is this, that we can look at that opposition People, I mean, he's going to preach the gospel, good things are happening, all of a sudden they turn on him and they run him out of town. Well, that didn't go so well. Maybe that wasn't God's plan for my life. See, so you can't always look at those as as accurate indicators. Don't mistake trials as a sign that you aren't fulfilling God's plan and purpose for your life. You know, 10 years ago today, God called me to, to this church for a purpose, and I knew What that purpose would be, and I knew that I would face opposition. And but you can't allow opposition to discourage you from fulfilling God's purpose. You know, ten years ago, God revealed to me this purpose, this is why you're here, and this is the sum total of why I believe I'm here. Leave the church better than you found it. That way the next pastor, the next leader can take it to where it needs to be. Don't, Don't every decision I make. And, so, and sometimes the decisions I have to make go counter against what I want to do. But I always filter it through that purpose. I always go back to what God's called me here for and why I have to do it is to leave this place better than what I found it. So whenever you make an effort to fulfill God's plan for your life, it may not start out the way you envisioned it. And that is true for the life of Joseph. So we're going to look start here in, in Genesis 37. Says, this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilha and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made him an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more, Than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain and out in the field, and suddenly my sheaf arose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? will you actually rule us and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers listen he said i had a dream another dream and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were all bowing down to me when he told this to his father as well as his brothers his father rebuked him saying What is this dream you had? Your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept it in mind. Now, Joseph has two dreams. Both of those dreams place Joseph in a place of leadership within his family. Joseph shares the dreams with his brothers, which probably wasn't a good idea. I don't know if, we don't know the story of Joseph in detail. We can only speculate. We can look at it from two different ways. You know, we never find, not, I'm not saying that Joseph was sinless, okay? But you know, we never read about Joseph sinning. So we have to look at him as, as being a man of character and integrity. So he's 17 years old, though, at the time. So there's two ways to look at this. He may have just been so pure that he was somewhat gullible. And he didn't understand the hatred that his brothers had for him. And Ennusley shares this, enthusiastically shares it, and they don't receive it. Or he can be a little bit of a snot. And he can say, you know what, I know who I am within the family. But the, that, doesn't, that doesn't take away from the dreams. The dreams are from God. They are indeed from God. So we don't know if, if Joseph shares these dreams out of excitement, thinking his brothers will will." Will, will come around him and think that as a wonderful dream or that he just does it to rub it in their face. We just don't know. So not exactly a good idea to reveal this kind of dream within this patriarchal structure. Because remember, Joseph is the 11th son. He's not the 12th, he's not the youngest. Remember, Benjamin is the youngest. But he's the 11th. He is way, way down the totem pole as far as leadership goes in that structure. And to make matters worse, Joseph, uh, Jacob favors Joseph, which is never a good idea to show favoritism. And, and you know what? There's this, this thing that happens, this repeating, uh, you know, what I saw my parents do is what I do. And if you'll remember Jacob and Esau, I mean, Jacob, he, he becomes a parent. He shows the same, same thing that happened to Esau and, his, and his, his brother is now taking place in his own family. So Jacob favors Joseph over his brothers and he has these dreams and the brothers just believe that Joseph is rubbing it in their faces. God doesn't tell Joseph when his dreams will come to pass and God definitely doesn't tell Joseph how those dreams will come to pass because I'm sure that we, again, we look at Joseph again, we don't read about any sin. We seem full of integrity. But if God had revealed the time and the amount of difficulty he was going to face, I don't think that young man would have said, sign me up for that. I believe he would have said, you know what? No thanks, thanks but no thanks. I'm glad that you selected me, but I'm not going through, through prison, uh, accusations, uh, slavery, no thank you. Who would, who in their right mind would? If we allow time and difficulty to dictate our decisions, we'll, we'll miss fulfilling God's plans and purposes for our lives. But when we discern God's plan and seek it and bring it to pass in our lives, we'll find great contentment, joy and peace like we've never had, but we will face difficulty. And I just want to mention this, God's plan is always better than our plans. And we'll never find a better plan than the plan that God has planned for us. Please don't make this mistake, I'm going to do what I want to do, I want God to come to bless me, because that's not the way it works. Now, listen, you could, God can permit and God can bless, but you'll never have the fulfillment that he intended you to have unless you discern his plan and walk in it faithfully. We know the dreams that Joseph dreamed, again, were prophetic, and they were from God because years later, by his own testimony, this is what Joseph writes. After he's endured all this, this trial and all this tragedy, this is his conclusion. Remember, he's before his brothers now, and he has the ability to really to execute them, to punish them. But this is his conclusion about his trials and his difficulty that he's faced in in Genesis 45, 7. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. God allows the trials Joseph suffered to save his life and to save the lives of his brothers. Ironically, God uses Joseph to save the very brothers who were going to kill him. So years later, Joseph concludes his brothers didn't put him there in that prison. The brothers didn't put him in, in slavery. It was God who placed him in these situations. Why? To save him and to save his brothers. You know, decades earlier, if we will remember, God made a promise to Joseph's great-grandpa, Abraham. And Abraham was promised that his descendants would occupy the land, that through his descendants, all the earth would be blessed. So God, going to keep that promise. And remember, at this time, this is, a, this is a, there's a, while it's a large family, it's still a remnant. It's a very small population of people. And God has to keep that population protected. And so in order to fulfill this promise of occupying the land and the earth being blessed through Abraham's descendants, he has to choose one of these sons to fulfill this promise through. And God selects Joseph for a reason. I believe that God selects Joseph because we see through his life that he is, even though he is young and he is the second youngest, he is a young man full of integrity, So God selects him. I believe that he understands that this young man will be able to go through trials and tragedy and remain faithful. God knew a 17-year-old could keep his suffering in check and remain faithful to God. Years later, when Joseph was elevated from, from prison to the palace, he had this opportunity again to repay his brothers for their crimes. But if Joseph executes his brothers, imagine this, if you've got the wrong, if you have the wrong brother in Joseph's place, This could go completely different. See, if Joseph executes, let's say, Levi, for example, you have no priesthood because the Levitical priesthood descends from Levi. Think about this. What if Joseph decides to execute Judah? Well, you have no King David, you have no King Solomon, and you don't have the line from the tribe of Judah. So you have to select the right person to endure these trials and suffering and not become bitter and not become vindictive, and not let power go to his head. It has to be the right person, and he selects Joseph. See, Joseph was born to fulfill this purpose. So when we commit ourselves to fulfilling God's plans and purpose for our lives, he will use the good and he will use the bad to preserve his divine will. We'll say that again. God has a plan and a purpose for us. In order for that to happen, he will allow good and bad to preserve his divine will. Joseph's brothers hated him, and because their father loved him most, I believe they resented their father also. I believe that they they took out a lot of their frustration out on Joseph. Jacob had been sending Joseph out to check on his older brothers, and in the past, Joseph shared an unfavorable report concerning his brothers, and again, we could read between the lines, it was probably a truthful report. They probably were slacking off on their job. And Joseph reports it, and it just infuriates them. God's, Jacob sends out his 17-year-old son to think about this, to give an assessment on his brothers who are much older and mature than him and bring about a report about their job performance. Like, we don't, like we, this kid knows what he's doing, and we don't. So there's a lot of resentment and hostility in this whole situation. Let's go down to, to verse 12, and it says, Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem, And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if it is all well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Now we can stop right there and say at the end of the story that Jacob, Israel has as much to blame in the story as anyone. He really puts Joseph in a bad position. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him, wandering around the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. Now here's the first thing I question is, who is this man? ever wondered about that, who is this man? Is this man an angel? Have you ever thought about that? That God uses to direct Joseph to his brothers? Because if you know the story, Joseph has to have this encounter. See, he could have went to Shechem, couldn't found his brothers, just went home. So God either prepares an angel or he at least takes a man and uses the circumstances of this man's life to put him in the right place at the right time so that he has this encounter with Joseph, so that Joseph finds his brothers near Dothan. So the man isn't there by accident. By the way, church, I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in luck, and I don't believe in accidents to that place. I believe that everything has a purpose, even the most mundane things. You know, even this, that you just are driving one day, instead of going this direction, you're going to go this direction. Some people say, well, you go this direction because God spared you from an accident. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the the purpose is even much more mundane than that. Something we won't ever know until we get on the other side of eternity. The brothers don't go to the fields where they should be going. And I believe they don't want to go there because they know that their little brother might be coming to check on them. And they really don't want their brother there because they're already hostile towards him. So they don't want Joseph there because they don't want them to bring back a report that they think is unfair. Listen to what the brothers say when they see Joseph come. I mean, they've tried to avoid this kid. They've tried to to maneuver around him, but he still finds them. And this is, I mean, their blood is just boiling at this time. Look at verse 18. And they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. You know, there will be people who oppose you when it comes to fulfilling god's plan and purpose for your lives when you make a commitment to fulfill god's plans you will face opposition the brothers have murder in their hearts they see an opportunity i mean they 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 already can't stand the kid and they he finds him and here he comes with his nice robe on and he's just you know it's just glowing so to speak it just it just sticks out as he's coming over the horizon and they just can't stand the robe because of what the robe represents the robe represents royalty it represents favor it represents a place of a position of of uh he is the leader over the, the house so they want to destroy that they see their brother come in with this robe and his dreams and it's an opportunity for them to rid themselves of the bitterness that they have They plot to kill Joseph and say, we'll see what comes of his dreams. People will oppose you when you fulfill God's plan and purpose for your lives. This world will oppose you. Sometimes good people will oppose you. Sometimes bad people will oppose you. Sometimes God uses bad people and good people to help get you in the right direction as well. Again, you can't, it can't be, see, you might be sitting here this morning saying, well, that's me. You've got the bad people have opposed me. Good people have opposed me. But at the same time, maybe God's trying to get your attention and try to speak to you. So don't, don't, don't fall in this place of where you, you kind of get this, this false humility, right? And woe is me. Maybe God's just trying to get through your hard head. So don't, don't close your, just stay open in this, throughout this message. But people will oppose you. They'll try to destroy the dreams God has placed in your heart. In fact, you yourself can destroy those dreams. God will, I mean, this world will take your own selfish desires to oppose God's plan for your life. What the brothers don't realize was this. The source of the dreams wasn't Joseph. The source of the dreams was God. Church, I don't care if Satan sends his entire demonic horde against you. If if you are following God's plan faithfully, no devil in hell can stop the plans and purposes of God. Romans eight thirty one. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you have d- doubt that God sent an angel or placed a man in an open country, so using whatever circumstances imaginable in order for him to cross paths with Joseph. That's exactly what's taking place. See, if Joseph doesn't find his brothers near Dothan on that day, maybe the brothers then have a different opportunity. And maybe the opportunity is there is no escape and that they actually grab the young man and they murder him and they destroy God's plans and purpose. God has to find another avenue then. That's not what God wanted. God wants to preserve this young man because this man has been faithful. You recall from the life of Abraham, His son, Ishmael, remember, just preached the series on this. Ishmael was the outcome of Abraham's and Sarah's idea of fulfilling God's plan, helping God to fulfill his plans. Again, never a good idea. So Ishmael was the outcome of a good idea. And remember this, just keep this in mind, because we think of Ishmael as nothing but bad, right? A terrible, terrible, I mean, that is not the legacy of Ishmael. We understand you know, who his descendants are today, but God still uses this man and his descendants. Remember this as we read this. Check this out. Genesis 37, verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. And he took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat their meal. And they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Mennonite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Now the Ishmaelites are descendants of Abraham. They are half brothers of the Jewish people. The same great-grandfather. Now we can look at Abraham and Sarah's decision to use a surrogate as a bad idea. And Ishmael is a mistake. But God uses these descendants of this man is the surrogate, which we would say is a terrible mistake, God uses them all these years later. Why? To preserve and protect his promise. See, this takes Joseph from one place of, of harm to safety, but it also takes him one step closer to what he needs to do to fulfill God's plan and purpose for his life. None of us would look at this as being betrayed by our brothers as a good thing. None of us would look at being sold as a slave as a good thing. But yet, this is exactly what God does to protect, preserve, and to make sure that his divine plan is fulfilled. It brings Joseph one step closer to fulfilling God's plan. Now, I'm sure Joseph says, is this what I signed up for? Is this really what I signed up for? The Ishmaelites aren't there by chance, church. And if you really think about it, decades, decades before this ever takes place, God has a plan. God is is back decades with this situation with Ishmael, looking for it and saying, I'm gonna use his descendants to protect Abraham's other sons. They're not there by chance. God has brought them there for a reason. You may do something during the day, it seems again mundane means nothing, but God can use it and you not even know it. God uses situations to fulfill his plans and his purposes. God uses these Ishmaelites to protect Joseph, again, get him one step closer to fulfilling his plans and purposes. The Ishmaelites don't know this. They have no clue. They don't know, have, have any clue that when they woke up that day and they were traveling down towards Egypt, that it was their mission, their calling to buy a young man and sell him as a slave. All they're looking at is this. We got a good deal, 20 shekels of silver. We're going to go down to Egypt, sell him for a lot more. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You and I may not understand why life happens the way it happens. We may not understand why God allows what he allows, when he allows, where he allows, but we have to trust him. And we have to know that he has allowed something for a reason. You live in a fallen world. Bad things are going to happen to good people. There's nothing that could change that. And there's nothing that will change that. But God can take what's bad and he can turn it around and use it for what's good. God can take what's meant for evil, turn it around for the betterment of that person or someone else. It may not even be for you, but it might be for someone else. Imagine Joseph having his dreams, knowing that God was going to make him head over his family but all of a sudden you're no longer the favorite son and you find yourself as a slave in Egypt. How easy it would become to become bitter and resentful. How easy it could become in that situation to get angry at God. God, why did you do this to me? Why have you allowed this? You gave me the dream. What are you doing? Setting me? Are you trying to kill me? Are you trying to torture me? What did I do to deserve this? 13 years, he's enslaved, he's in prison, he's rotting away in this prison of no fault of his own. The most we can, we can really accuse Joseph of is that may, he may have just a little bit of a big mouth. But other than that, there is no sin. There is no horrific uh, character default with him. He is simply a young man who has heard from God and is trusting God, and he finds himself as a slave and in is in prison. He's falsely accused of rape. All kinds of things happen to him. He's abandoned, he's betrayed, he's left for, I mean, no one cares, no one knows where he's at. Where am? Have you ever been to that place where you're, God, do you know where I'm at? Do you hear me? It's where Joseph was for 13 years. 13 long and agonizing years. In the end of Joseph's story, he understands his trauma has a purpose. His, his, his difficulties, his trials, they all have a purpose now. And see, but at the time, he has no understanding. All he can do is just trust God through the trial. But only once he emerges out of the trial, can he look back and say, I understand why this happened. And I'm not asking you to do this. I'm not, I'm not challenging you to understand the why. Especially in your, if, in the, if you're in the midst of a trial, you probably aren't going to understand why. But as you get to the end of that trial, you probably will become more and more clear. And when you have emerged from that and you have a different perspective, you'll be able to look back and say, I understand why God brought me through these things. While we reap what we sow, God doesn't gleefully stand back and say, they're getting what they deserve. And if that's your view of God, you've got a distorted view of the character and nature of God. If you really believe that God's killing you slowly and punishing you slowly, and he's gleefully doing this, you don't know who God is. Your view is very distorted of a loving father. You know, sometimes we think of this, a loving father would protect their kids from every danger and every, no, no, that's not true. If you're a good parent, you know that's not true. You can't protect your kids always. You can't, it's impossible. At at some point, they have to make decisions and they're going to make decisions and they're gonna make bad decisions, but they're gonna make good decisions as well. So you have to understand that while it's every instinct within us to love and to protect our kids, and I, I'm not saying we should throw them to the wolves. I think that's a bad strategy as well. There's a balance between the two, and God handles you and I the same way. Some of you are serving God, serving him faithfully, living by faith, in, but you're enduring a trial. You're encountering a trial, and you, you think you're, you're, you're right where you were supposed to be, but God brings this, this, this trial, and you're like, what, what happened, what did I do? You're going through a trial because the trial is an opportunity to make you stronger. You're going through a trial as an opportunity to mature your faith. You will encounter trials and difficulty. Often, God allows them as a way to mature us, but he also has a way to do this, of re- impurities that are in our lives, removing them. And some of those impurities are just pure immaturity. Look at James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Trials God allowed Joseph to endure, matured his faith. And we can come to that conclusion very easily if you know the story. Trials prove to Joseph the goodness and faithfulness of God. God had a plan. God didn't reveal the the 13 years of difficulty, but God perfects his plan or brings forth his plan, and he is faithful. The trials proved to Joseph the goodness and faithfulness of God, and that's the only perspective he could have at the end of that, that trial. All that Joseph endures, how he reacts to his trials, is a testimony to us all of how we have to conduct ourselves as believers, as followers of Jesus, Because here's why, if we don't, we're gonna fall into this trap of bitterness and anger and frustration, it's just gonna tear you apart. Even when it's within our power to repay others for their wrongs, Joseph shows us that, you know what, we can show grace, we can show mercy. They don't deserve grace and mercy, but church, neither do you and I. And yet your heavenly Father shows you grace and mercy. Today, if you're going through a trial, a season of difficulty, Maybe you're confused and you don't see how on earth what you're going through is going to accomplish anything but suffering and pain. We want to pray for you. I want to pray for you today. You can't and you won't fulfill God's plans unless you are born again, period. If you haven't fully surrendered your life to Jesus, I'm talking about a full commitment to Christ. And if you haven't haven't done it, if you aren't committed to Christ as you ought to be, and if you don't make that commitment to him, I'm just gonna let, let you know this. The trials that you're going to endure are to bring you to this place of right relationship with God. So that you fully commit and trust him. Because that's God's first purpose for you, is that you to be saved. That you be committed. Because from that place of sold out, being sold out to him, then you can fulfill his plans and purpose for your life. But if you're only in halfway, you're never going to fulfill God's plan for your life. There's no riding defense when it comes to God's plan. You are in or you're not in. Joseph is a great proof. He was in. If you aren't committed in your faith as you should be, you won't be willing to endure suffering. You won't be willing to endure difficulty. you only get mad at God. You'll only get angry at God. And God won't ever be able to perform his plan and purpose through you. But when you come to that place of, you know what, I'm just committing myself to Christ, it's a, it's a much better road. You have more peace, understanding, All right, good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. It's part of life. God is using this for a reason and a purpose. Some of you are going through a trial, a season of difficulty. We want to pray for you.